This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hey guys, thanks for listening. This week, I'd like to welcome John LaMacchia, a friend of mine. He's been putting in work in and around New York City for quite a long time. Most notably, John was in New York City progressive metal hardcore band, Candiria, which I'm sure all you guys know about. They've toured the world, put out many records, and since then, John has been very active, first with uh, Spilacopa, he's been DJing, a bunch of other projects, and now he has a brand new solo record, Lamakia, called Thunderheads, that is getting ready to drop on May 20th on Aqualam Records. We talk about that, we talk about the creative process, and a bunch of other cool stuff. Before we get going, I'd like to thank everyone who has joined our Patreon. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I'm humbled by the amount of people that care enough to join that. And um, yeah, we're, we're just getting started, so uh, looking forward to keeping things rolling. Also, I'd like to thank some other podcasts. We've all been creating this community. I really, really think it's a cool, organic thing. And I'd like to thank Into the Necrosphere, Horror Wolf Podcast, and most recently, Iblis Manifestation, which is Cheyenne from Trivax's occult spirituality, black metal, a bunch of cool stuff. It's a brand new show that he put out. So I urge you guys to check him out too. John, thanks a lot for uh, taking time out to talk to me about, uh, primarily about the new record, man. I um, was on social media one day, kind of mindlessly scrolling around, and I saw that y- you were working on new music and it mm-hmm. was uh, in, a, in a band format. So, right. uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm real excited. It's, now, is the record actually out? Because I know I have a copy to listen to, but is it actually released yet? No, it'll actually come out on May 20th. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's just been a great journey so far. I mean, I can't be, um, I, I couldn't be happier. The fact that I have like these, these you know, the folks from Aqualam, stepped up and they expressed interest a while back and um i'm very happy to be working with them they're so hands-on and they're so you know involved in everything that happens it's a really nice change you know like i've never i've never been assigned to a label where everything is just so everything is discussed to the detail and it's not to say that everything is done perfectly you know we we obviously have to improvise when things change and stuff like that but it's like everything is really planned very well with these guys and they uh, they have so much um enthusiasm about um the records they put out and what they do and um i'm just very i feel very lucky to have them like you know hear these songs and and just think like yeah we want to put this out um so um it's been a fun journey and to have my friends also step up you know mike macgyver from candiria is you know he's not only is he on the record but he also is my number one guy, basically, when it comes to playing live. Um, he's always been in my life in one way or, you know, or, or another as far as music goes. And to have him along for the journey, it's just it wouldn't be the same without him. Um, and then I have um, Andrea Horn, who was in the band Voreen, um, someone I, I have a great amount of respect for as far as her uh, songwriting abilities and her 
her sort of um, her knack for for creating incredible guitar sounds um, and and then some like she has a great ear for production um, to have her along to do all of the take on all the vocal duties, you know, for all the female vocalists that I had that I had enlisted to be a part of the album. Um, she does all of the stuff live, you know, so I'm just I just feel really great to, to have all these people step up and, and be a part of it. It's been a great journey so far. Yeah, I spent some time with the record and did a little bit of reading, you know, a little background about uh, cool. you know, the formation and everything. And you do definitely have uh, a pretty excellent lineup of people. I mean, you, you got, you know, Kelly Scott from Failure playing drums. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. How cool. Yeah. You mentioned Mike. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Yeah. Mario Quintaro from Spotlights. That's yeah. that's a great that's yeah. a great uh, band member to have as well. Sure, man. He was key to this whole thing. He um, uh, mainly I hired him really to mix, you know. But um, he um, he you know he just started adding sounds to songs and started adding layers here and there. And um, what am I gonna say? No, you know the guy's just like. He's not only is he mixing it for me, but he's he's enjoying the song so much that he wants to participate in the in the sonic landscape and stuff. So I'm so pleased to have him involved. And and honestly, um, you know, the songs are what they are. Um, and but, you know, you know, you know, just as much as as most know that have been doing this long enough that the songs can be great. But if you put them in the in the, in the hands of the wrong mix engineer or you have the wrong production you know the type of wrong type of production it, it, it could be detrimental to the songs yeah that that's um, there's so many things that can go wrong in production and actually yeah. wasn't there another female vocalist on the record too uh there's three there's total. three right total so we, there's three yeah. yeah there's andrea horn sings backup vocals on on one song um it would have been two but we didn't finish the song in time to make it onto the record then there's um uh sabrina ellie who I've been working with for many, many years on all kinds of music projects. Um, I worked with her in my band Crooked Man. Uh, she did some st songs on some of the Spilocopa records that I did. And and basically what wound up happening was this was going to be another Spilocopa record. Um, it was really, that was just, I was just, you know, making a record, you know. Um, but then, uh, you know, Chris Enriquez, uh, who's been amazing to me, he started he started managing me. And um, he started talking to people about it, trying to feel around to see what kind of um, what kind of, uh, you know, moves he can make for me to see if he can get me involved with a publishing company or find a, a, a record deal for me. And he had a conversation with um, Rob Gross. You, you know that guy. I'm sure, you, sure yeah, you know him. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't know him well, but I, I know. I know. Who right. He is, right. 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 Exactly. So Rob Gross, you know, he, apparently he is. I know he's a big Candiria fan, but he also has been following all this, the solo stuff that I've done. And he mentioned to Chris, he said, you know, honestly, I'm so glad that John is making another record, but I think it's time for him to really start thinking about rebranding and coming up with a new way to present it. And um, honestly, at first I was, I was, I wasn't offended, but I was almost like, you know, when you're just uncomfortable with a suggestion, somebody's suggestion that just doesn't sit well with you. Sure. And um, so I, I kind of had that kind of reaction. But the more we spoke about it, the more I realized it was the best possible thing that I could do. Um, and then the label started talking about it and they, they were like, look, you know, your name is just really it carries weight and a lot in, in some circles. And it's time to start, 
using your name, just your name, um, cut through the noise, forget all these projects, forget all these other bands. And um, once I was convinced of it, um, I, I was just so glad that that came up. And I'm kind of really, I'm really grateful for Rob's like, in, you know, foresight into knowing that that would be like a really, really great thing for this record. Because I think that's just the thing. It's like, you know, it really was time for me to break away from from these old names that I've been using because I couldn't mention any new music that I would that I was doing without, you know, Greg Pucciato's name coming up or, you know, the guys from ISIS or this or that. And it just I was just tired of that. You know what I mean? Like I don't work with I haven't worked with Greg, Greg in a very, very long time. Um, we're great, still great friends and all, but we just don't work together anymore. And I was tired of that kind of every time my name comes up his comes up i just wanted to you know sort of make it very clear that this is my music and i'm you know i'm sort of producing it and like bringing people along and i'm really shaping everything and i'm writing songs and it's it's really just a very singular sort of um uh sort of voice and uh once again man i'm i'm super psyched that uh, we made that decision because the response i think has been so awesome and um i'm so glad people are just um interested in checking it out i really am yeah i think it's a strong move man i mean it, it in a way it kind of harkens back to like uh you know some of probably some of our favorite uh hard rock uh you know artists such as van halen and you know mm -hmm. the rollins band and stuff like that it's like very much okay this is my thing it's making a statement and um and also that name most likely is not taken. Like, I don't think there's any other bands called La Machia out there. Yeah, that was another thing. Um, there is an artist. He's a sculptor, and he, but he happens to also be my cousin. Um, <laughs> and, and it's true. And he goes by John La Machia. It's so weird because um, I just discovered him one day on Instagram, obviously, of course. <laughs> um, and he, I saw his sculptures. And I was like, oh, this, is, this guy's name is John LaMacchia, too. And I reached out, and it turns out we are related. We're totally, we're cousins. <laughs> That's insane, so, um, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It's very cool, man. I kind of wanted to see if I could do a thing with him. Like, hey, let's talk. You know, like, you're an artist. I'm an artist. We're both LaMacchias. We're both family. Um, we're both Johns. You know, like, maybe we could do something. Um, but you know how it is. Throw it on the pile of a thousand other things i have lined up you know <laughs> is he um, is he based in new york as well or somewhere else he's in jersey he's like right over the bridge so oh, cool. he's not far off yeah i highly recommend like take a look at his art it's really interesting he's got like there's like his art is really beautiful he does a lot of sculptures he does some some painting i'm not sure if it's oil or acrylic or whatever but um his art the thing that i really appreciated about the most is that there's he always has like a there's some kind of like humor in it or like sarcasm or like dark like a dark you know like a like a splash of like comedy but really dark comedy which i i really appreciate you know right um so yeah i would i would recommend checking him out it's cool stuff so you mentioned this was a uh, initially intended to be a potential spilacopa record so now what's the time frame that we're looking at Did this you start writing this material like a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. So what's the process been like assembling this whole thing? Well, it's really it was really an interesting journey how I wound up here because it actually started with um, Frank Godla um, a few, before the pandemic. I'd say about a year before the pandemic. Um, he approached me and he started um, kind of um, – 
putting this idea in my brain that um, I should be taking my solo music way more serious. And I should, why aren't, he's like, why aren't you performing your songs? Like you're, you're a really talented artist. And he's, he goes, it's great to see that you're active with Candiria, but he goes, why aren't you singing, you're out on, out singing your songs and playing your songs and focusing on this stuff. So he kind of got in my brain and um, he was like, I want to be in your band. And he was like, I'm playing drums for you. And he just started pushing me. And uh, one thing led to another and I'm in a studio with Frank Godla and we're working on stuff. And then I reach out to Mike MacGyver and Mike MacGyver's down to jam at Frank. Frank is a really great guy. Um, um, Mike is always down to jam. So that was an easy thing. And at the time, you know, Sabrina Ellie was still living in New York and um, she was also, you know, we always worked together. You know, we worked on songs up until recently and we've been great friends for a very long time. So all of a sudden I had a band, you know, and um, we started uh, working together. I put out a couple of, I put out a cover of, of Baby Bitch by Ween. Um, that's the, f I think that's the first thing we did together that actually was a recording. And um, it went really well, and we, you know, we put it out into the world, and we raised a little bit of money for um, some. Uh, I think I forget what cause, uh, but it was related to the protests and everything. Right. Um, but that's really where it started. That's where it started. It started with 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 Frank, and I'd say it was probably about 2018 or 2019. And um, at this point, though, then, it wasn't it wasn't quite the, the Lamakia moniker, though. It was like you were operating no. with a different name, right? Right. It was still, it was still Spilocopa. Okay. It was still, I was still using that name. And I even, at that point, I suggested to Frank that I wanted to change it. And he said, no, don't do it, man. I love the name. I love your history. So he kind of had the, you know, sort of like a the complete opposite take. And um, I was like, okay, if you think it's cool and Mike thinks it's cool and nobody thinks we need to change anything, let's just continue on. And then, unfortunately, I don't want to get into too much of Frank's personal stuff, but, um, you know, he, he had a, his father got very, very sick and um, he was sick and it was just a really hard time. And, you know, Frank was just going through a really, really difficult time with his family. And then uh, the pandemic started happening and it was just it was so much. And then um, he just couldn't. He couldn't dedicate the time and what he was going through was just so intense for him. He just had to kind of like walk away from it. Um, and then I was stuck because now I was writing these songs. You know, I, I started, you know, dabbling with, with songwriting and uh, now my drummer walked away. You know, so that's when it kind of became this um, sort of nebulous sort of thing that just wasn't settled yet. You know, I, I wasn't even certain what was going to happen. And then um that's around the time Chris Enriquez came along and he was like I want to manage you um I want to you know help you find a deal and all all of that stuff and then that's about the same same time Aqualand came along and um slowly but surely I was writing songs knowing that I was going to put out a record um I already had one in a can and um I just started working on all of this sort of all of these demos that I had created over the past um few years and then uh over the pandemic, I started writing re like like a lot. I started writing, obviously, we, you have so much time in your hands. Um, you're experiencing something so unique that how do you not write about it? You know what I mean? How do you not, you know, if you're an artist, how do you not then take that opportunity and create something? Um, so it really, that was that was kind of the start of it. And, um, and then it led, it turned into something that you know means something completely different to me now that has a completely different name and um i'm super fucking psyched about it i'm, I'm so thrilled you know 
with Frank leaving like that, that that's that's almost like um, you know this this uh, weird narrative almost. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. that he was the one person who wanted to stick with the name, and right. you, you had this instinct maybe to move beyond that. And when, right. he, when he moved out of the working situation, it kind of set you up to do whatever. And I thought I think that's pretty awesome, actually. It you know? really did. And, and you know, I think in, 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 in when he first walked away, I was like, well, now what the hell am I going to do? You know what I mean? It felt like that. Like, how am I going to figure this out now? You know, and then um, I don't know, just um, I started jamming just with um Mike MacGyver in a room with just like drum machine beats that I wrote for songs and we started fleshing things out. And then, um, I started um, spending a lot of time with someone I'm very close to this, this girl, Candace, Candace Freshco, who also sings and co-wrote a song with me on the album and, uh, also worked on another the, the closing album. She does a spoken word for it. And this person is like, this, this, I just love this person so much. She's an incredibly talented person. She's super cool. We've always had a great relationship. And throughout the years, we've always worked on like art projects together, either shooting a music video or doing this or some kind of crazy photo shoot. So we're just like these, you know, creative buddies, you know. And um, so I had this sort of weird unit of people that I was working with, but they they sort of because of the pandemic, everyone was so separated. So were, were you working up, by yourself like when when you're writing all this material? You know, once the pandemic hit, did you just kind of hole up alone and just kind of work on this material without other people or were you sharing files or how, how was you, what was the process like during that? It was a lot of me working alone to, to really shape the, basically the entire album. Um, and, but when it came time for, for Mike to step in, Mike recorded all the bass by himself at home. Um, you know, he had, you know, he had a kid and, uh, you know, everyone's world was, you know, scary. And, uh, you know, everyone was doing their best to, to distance themselves from each other and not expose themselves. So it just made sense for me to send Mike files and him record his bass alone. So he did that by himself. Um, I think Sabrina recorded vocals for one song by herself. And then I think uh, later on, like once everybody kind of was like, okay, this is a pandemic and it's not going anywhere. She came into Brooklyn, I think once or twice to track vocals for um, another song or two. Um, And then uh, Gabe, this guy, Gabe, I can't pronounce his last name. It's like Gabe the Bester Shin or something like that. This guy, Gabe, recorded all of Kelly Scott's drums in LA. Um, So it was just this really, it was a really like, for, for, mo- for the most part, it was a really focused experience because I was working a lot by myself. But then I was sending files to people and they were participating. And uh, it just really, truly came together when, when Mario jumped on board and uh, started mixing things. And I could hear that uh, the sounds that I was sending him were to his satisfaction as far as like making a good mix goes. And um, it just started really, really, really coming together. And, and the the sort of the album, the, the the full view of the album, or the or like the 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 big picture, so to speak, kind of kind of became clearer and clearer. The, like the more that I, I got done, you know. Um, so yeah, man, and that that took us to mastering, and then uh, you know onto um, you know Aqualam getting a hold of it, and 
you know, us discussing artwork and what we're going to do with it. And then um, eventually leading into leading into us, you know, performing, which we, we performed our first show in early March. And it was like a sold out show. It's spotlights and shiner. And uh, you really can't ask for more than that. Oh, congratulations, man. Was that was that Thanks. in New York City or somewhere else? Or Yeah, that was in uh, I was at Elsewhere in Brooklyn. Oh, I haven't been there yet. I hear a lot of good things about that venue. Yeah, it's a really, really cool place. And the staff is great. Uh, we played Zone 1, which is like, um, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would compare it to like, um, I don't know. You remember Knitting Factory on uh, the second one that was on between like Church and Broadway? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that room, the main room, it was like that size. I'd say okay. like, yeah. I don't know, 300 cap or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was like the perfect size room for us to play. Um, we had a blast we had a great response and, um, you know, now I got another one coming up on Easter Sunday at Union pool. That's a nice so, spot. I like, it's small, but you know, it's cool. I, I used to remember playing shows there years ago. The place is pretty cool. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny because Union pool is one of the only venues that I've always wanted to play, but for some reason or another, it's always eluded me. You know what I mean? Like I, I was every time I go to that place, I'm like, man, I love this. I love this fucking venue. And, you know, I've seen all my friends play there and I've seen like um, a lot of really great shows there. And um, so I'm really, really happy to be playing there um, finally. And it's actually going to be like an Aqualand Records presents type type of deal where it's like four Aqualand bands, um, Frail, my band, La Machia, um, Burning Tongue. And then uh, the guitar player and solo artist Zeb Gould will be opening opening up the show, who is a fucking phenomenal player, man. He's such a great guitar player and, and songwriter. He's fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, it'll, it should be a fun time. Now, the record was produced with everyone in different places, it seems like, you know, without actually uh, being in, you know, in a space. So what was it like once you translated? What was rehearsing like getting ready for that show and then finally going on stage and actualizing this project that you've been working on remotely with all these different people you know it's a great question you asked man because if i'm going to be totally honest it was a very very um how can i say it it was a very stressful yeah learning <laughs> learning experience like figuring out First of all, building my voice up to perform live because, you know, recording, as you know, recording and, and then going and actually trying to do it over and over again and, and perfect it live is a completely different thing, you know. Um, and uh, I had to get my ear trained to hear pitch properly again. Like I hadn't I hadn't actually sung live in, in quite some time. Uh, so the whole process was was really really stressful. And um, I was, you know, filled with a lot of like uncertainty. You know, I am kind of like a, I don't know what you would, what you would call that. I, I don't know what, what type of person is. that's like always like doubting themselves. Like I struggle with self-doubt a lot. I really do. Um, and uh, it took the, until we played the show, like it took all that time until I got on stage and played the show. And I was like, Hey, you know what? That wasn't fucking bad. <laughs> and then like, then I felt like confident, you know, because people were responding positively. They were like, look, you sounded great. And I'm like, I'm like what is it? Okay. Was it all right? Um, I think the most challenging thing too was, um, was there's electronic music on the record, right. you know, there's, a, there's like a few electronic songs, there's all these beats and stuff. And it was just like figuring out how to be a rock band. And then all of a sudden become a band that does like electronic music as well. 
Um, and it took, it took a little bit of time. It really did take a little bit of time to sort of have um, the uh, sort of the right equipment first and foremost, and um, how to be able to, uh, you know, um, sort of um, make the set a way so that, you know, you don't lose any power once the live band goes away, you know, because the live band is like, it's a lot more bombastic and, and the electronic music is way more sort of focused and tight, you know? Right. So you obviously lose that airiness of, of musicians actually playing in a room. Um, but um, with the band and, and like playing them the, the songs, they're starting to incorporate like live, the live instruments as well. So it's turning into this really cool thing that's just happening <clears throat> organically. And I, I think the thing is with me, the biggest takeaway from all of this is stop being so fucking negative all the time it's hard to you know? do man i mean you know people say that <laughs> yeah. but you know i mean you anyone who does anything creative you know i mean a lot of people that listen to this podcast are in bands so they understand that but people that don't mm -hmm. necessarily understand that that's like a special thing to do man to put yourself out there in front of people and yeah. you know and it's so easy i mean think about all the things that people try to do in their lives and they don't actually get to it because of the self-doubt and the resistance yep. and all this kind of stuff. So that's a huge, huge, you know, obstacle to, to overcome really. Yeah, it really is. And, um, but I started to, you know, um, I started to catch myself when I was being, when I was sort of being negative. And, and then I started to analyze all of these thoughts in my head. Like I would have these like, these thoughts that I was going to step on stage and trip over something and like fall flat on my face, which has happened to me before. So it's not like an irrational fear. Um, I've done that. <laughs> so, but like those thoughts are like, they're not completely ridiculous, but it, I started to analyze those, those thoughts and, and just sort of put them in the right, in their, in their place, you know, being like, yeah, there's a chance it's going to happen, but, but it's fucking really slim. And if it happens, it's not going to be the end of the world. You know, you get back up, you get, you know, you knock the dust off and you fucking play a set and, and you just make up for it somehow. So I started to um, really check myself when I started, when I, you know, which was a really important part of this process because, you know, it's not that I believe that an artist has to have a certain amount of ego, um, but they definitely do have to have confidence um, in order to deliver, you know, the, the, the music or deliver the song, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, confidence is, is definitely something that I, I'm, I'm slowly starting to really, you know, sort of, I, I feel really good about performing now as, whereas in the beginning of this, I felt, I questioned myself constantly, but now I feel like, Hey man, you know what? I can sing, I can do okay. I can hold a tune. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I hope that, it, that answered, answered your question. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just like. The answer is what you just said, basically. And uh, yeah. But what's interesting, what's great is now that first show is behind you now, and you know yeah. that experience is something that you can carry into the next show. You know. Right. Right. That's exactly it. And now I feel like, you know, like I I'm really focused on like um, I really want the shows to be a really great experience, not just me getting on stage and getting through the songs, but I want them to be like these experiences that people walk away and um, obviously not only feel like, Oh, that was really great. Or that was really cool. Or I like that, but I want to start doing some really fun stuff live. You know, I mean, you heard the record. There's a lot of like heart heavy songs on it. Yes, um, absolutely. 
Um, and, uh, you know, there are, but there are some bright moments. And um, I think when those bright moments happen, I kind of want to really have some fun with it. So I have some things planned for the Easter Sunday show. Uh, for anyone who wants to come out, there's going to be some fun stuff. And um, there might even be some prizes and giveaways. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make this fun, man, you know. Now, that sounds awesome, man. And, and it's at a cool venue, too. And, you know, you, any, any of you guys out there who are in the tri-state area, the, um, you know, uh, bro, uh, what, the, what the hell is it called again? <laughs> Union Pool. I was just talking about how cool of a venue it was. Now I can't even remember. <laughs> Yeah, Union Pool, um, great venue. I've got a lot of great memories playing there. It's small, so if you want to go to this show, you better get there early. You know what I mean? This place, yeah. place yeah. definitely fills up. Yep, it, it, it surely does. And um, the coolest thing I think um, that I'm looking forward to is hopefully at that, that point we have some decent weather that you can enjoy both the show and then step outside and, and, and kind of spring is just starting to really set in, you know what I mean? So I'm looking forward to that aspect of it. And um, I'm looking forward to sort of just getting there and like enjoying the venue. And I think, you know what, don't, don't be so down hard on yourself about not remembering the damn name of the place. We are so fortunate to have so many great venues in this city, man. I mean, I really, I, there's a new one every fucking three weeks i swear to god every time i go on the internet i'm like what what is this place now the broadway transpicos i mean i think transpicos has been around that's yeah, been around for a little bit yeah yeah but there, it's yeah. i i know what you're saying man there's um yeah, like all these spots like it fortunately seem to pop up and now it's uh back to the way i feel like back to the way when when cbs was around it seemed like there's a lot of venues like this is going back you know a long time for some of these guys oh, here sure. listen but like you know, we got, uh, you know, well, Union Pool has been around for a while. There's this mm -hmm. uh, Elts Worlds. That's a place I haven't been to yet, which I keep hearing yeah. about. On the right, larger right. side, there's Brooklyn Steel, which I, I just saw yep. a show there a few weeks ago. And that's, you know, that's yeah. a first for me. So it's right. cool because you hear about all the doom and gloom about live music venues closing during the pandemic and this and that. And right. I feel like New York is actually in pretty good shape right now. Sure, absolutely. I actually just went to a, a new place which is um, further south in Brooklyn, which I'm happy to see in uh, Gowanus, a place called Zero Space. Oh. And um, it's really, really cool, man. I mean, they they did their first live show and it was, um, forget who opened up, but the main acts was Quicksand and, and Battles. Oh, and, wow. Uh, okay. It was a great, a great night. It was a great experience. I saw so many, so many people I knew there. It was couldn't believe it like i was just standing in the middle of the room and i was like i cannot believe how many of my friends are here i mean not not super surprising it's quicksand so you know what i mean they're a new york band and also um but yeah zero space is a brand another brand new venue a really pretty large venue i'd say i would say probably like the actual room where the bands perform i'd say like you know like an irving plaza okay you know yeah so like like that size like 1100 or something like that 1200 people something yeah 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 but more floor space no balcony you know what i mean <laughs> yeah um so a really great space and um a really cool vibe to it like you walk in and there's all these like projections all over the place and like um video projections and like um vendors and food vendors i think they had a pizzeria like oh, wow. right outside the door uh, they had, um, yeah, Roberta's had like a little pop-up outside the door. 
inside they were serving like tacos and like all kinds of cool stuff and just a really cool vibe um, and a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, man, it's just been wild. The one thing about that place, Zero Space, is they need they're going to upgrade their sound system because it just wasn't the place is big enough where it needs like it needs line arrays, it needs like delays in it, it needs like a proper sound system. But even even though it was you know maybe not the best sound considering the size of the space, you know the bands really brought their A game and they sounded fantastic anyway. It's funny when you mention fun, right? And just mentioning the the food pop-ups at the venue and it reminds me of how long it's been since there's been that lightness of uh of mood, you know? Yeah. And, and sure. it's yeah, cuz like I just really started going out like a few months ago and just seeing people out like going to just going to a lot of shows and doing stuff socially and yeah. you forget almost how much your life has been altered over the last couple of years so it's really cool to be going out and doing stuff again yeah man i mean it really is and and it was one of the first shows i went to where i felt like people were really a little bit more relaxed and you know it's like you know i don't are we out of the woods yet i don't know for sure you know um i i you know i mean i, I can't no one knows really what's going to happen next but in that moment, it was nice to feel a little bit more laid back, you know, um, still, I still, you know, try to be safe as, as often as I can, or whenever I feel, I just, you know, throw the mask on. If I feel like I'm close to someone, I'm not, I don't know, or maybe they sound a little sick. I, I do try to be a little bit mindful. I think we all do. I think it's now just in our DNA. Um, but it, like, like, you know, it really is, it, it's definitely a nice thing to go out and go to a venue and, and not, and, and not be so sort of, um, I don't know, pensive or, or sort of skeptical about what you're doing, you know, and be a little bit more relaxed and have a little bit of fun. Yeah, totally. Now, let me ask you about the live band. Uh, you know, is, it's, it's, def it's your thing. It's your band. It's, a, it's an right. effort that's associated with you individually. Do you expect the lineup to remain consistent or, you know, for any period of time or you know, what, what's this, what's the, the intent with that? Well, I mean, right now the, the band that I have is uh, Mike MacGyver. Um, like I mentioned, Andrea Horn is, is playing guitar and doing vocals. And uh, I have this guy, Jeff uh, Jensterblom, who plays with um, the twin, this band, the twin and another band called Savak. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it, either Savak or Savak. Um, and um, I, you know, look, I know Mike is, He's along for the ride. He's ready to do this. Andrea is another one. She's ready to go. And as far as I know, Jeff is the newest addition to the band. Um, he seems to be very happy to play this music. He seems to really be happy to show up and, and hang with Mike and Andrea and me. And like we all, we all get along really, really well. And my intention is to keep this band together. Um, you know, that's, that's, that said, life happens. You never know. Um, people move away. People do things. But... In the end of the day, um, I think no matter what happens, I'm going to perform in some way, shape, or form. You know, like I actually intend on doing some solo shows by myself. I'm, I'm, I want to be able to entertain a crowd by myself. That's been like a, a, a goal of mine for, for a very long time, to be able to be a captivating enough entertainer to, you know, be booked and perform by myself. And uh, so I, you know, I mean, I do see this lineup being like the lineup. I really do feel that in my heart that I have the right people with me. 
Um, but that said, if it changes, I will adapt. You know, I'll definitely adapt if I have to. That's awesome, man. Now, let me ask you a question about uh, the solo performances. I mean, back in the old days, that meant sitting there with like an acoustic guitar. But these right. days now, with all this wonderful technology we have, yeah. what, what would a solo show look like to you? I think it would be um, really, really sort of a wide spectrum of different sounds because there are songs in the record that are, um, you know, I wrote a lot of this stuff sitting at home in my house. So, you know, with an acoustic guitar next to my couch, the whole damn pandemic. So there are some acoustic songs in the record that I do feel. And there's even like elect acoustic songs with some electronic stuff in, in it as well. So I do feel that like it will be a combination of um, acoustic instruments and, 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 and um, you know, electronic sounds and maybe even distorted guitars. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm at a point right now where I'm so focused on getting the band tuned in to playing a headlining show eventually that that is sort of like something that's in my mind, but I, I haven't totally put the pieces together. So I can't really tell you exactly what it looks like, but I will say that um if it's if it's anything like what i used to do i used to do these like dj sets and they were more than just dj sets i wasn't just playing music i was actually performing as well so i would love to incorporate something like that with the music and then doing some of the songs you know for, you know what i mean like like somehow make it more of this like experience you know um and and incorporate you know visuals you know and do some really fun stuff um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that gives you some, some of an idea of what my, my life, my solo stuff might look like. That's kind of what I, I, uh, suspected, you know, knowing mm -hmm. a little bit about like your background and the other stuff that you were doing. And, and I saw you perform one time. It was, uh, an art gallery, um, somewhere. I want to say it was near like, uh, court street or something like that. And it was, uh, some people that I know were showing art there and you were there, you know, performing. And I was like, when you oh. said solo, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, John probably is not going to just sit there with acoustic guitar, though that might be mm -hmm. part of part of the uh, you know part of the whole activity. But I, I just had right. this idea of you doing a little bit more than that. Right, right, right. Do you remember what I was? Was I playing guitar or was I? Yeah, you were like, playing guitar. Um, there was some other which, stuff going on. It was just, I think it was just you. It was just me. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh wow! That do you remember when that was? Oh, dude, this had to have been probably 2015, 2016. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because right. uh, wow. Fade Fade Kaner had um. Had oh. Oh, that's right. And was it in a church? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what. And I wasn't alone. My buddy Joe was playing bass. That was a, oh, okay. a like this project I had. I was doing with my buddy Joe for a minute. Um, and it's, it was called, at first it was called tree of death and then it was called mourn. So I think you saw mourn. Okay. And it's just, it's just guitar and he played bass. Um, and that's all, that's all we did. There was no samples. It was just two instruments. And it was like inspired by groups like earth and Boran and under club of gore. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Group. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That, that, yeah. the band's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's boy, uh, one of our big. mutual friend uh, Jeff uh, Kashid's favorite bands, apparently. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, <laughs> there you go. There's the connection. That's how I learned about them. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, great stuff. So it was, it was, it was inspired by some of that stuff. It was like inspired by like some older psychedelic bands, but then you know more so like the like like the like bands like Earth and um, and Boran. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a really, really fun, fun time. Once again, that, um, that girl, Candace Fresco, that, um, sings one of the songs on the record and also was really a huge part of it, um, artistically, like the, the art, the art aspect of it. She's a big part of that as well. Um, she put, had a piece in that show as well and she knows Fade. Yeah. Fade's one of those guys that everyone in, in New York knows that guy in one shape or form, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he also, uh. I think she was in one of his videos, one of the, um, um, maybe Batillus. Or maybe the Static Bloom stuff that he's doing. No, I think it was older. It might have okay. been, been the Batillus stuff. Okay, yeah, because, probably. Yeah. But I, I'm, not, I'm not certain, but I, that's, what, that's what comes to mind. Because when I started um, working with Candace again, and we started talking about this art project that we were working on, that actually turned into a song that wound up being on the record, um, Took, it took on this completely different life. Um, in the beginning, we were just we were talking about doing um, music. You remember um, there was this thing that was happening. I forget. Oh man, why can't I remember his name in this fucking moment? I'm an idiot. Um, oh god, I can't remember his name. Anyway, him and his his um, his lady, who I can't remember either, at the top of my head. But I know them so so damn well. And when I say this, you're gonna know too. Monomer TV. Did you yeah. see that? But that was yeah yeah yeah. So we were, you know, I'm friends with those folks that put that show together. And um, they hit me up and they're like, hey, man, we're doing this thing. You know, we know you make videos and you do art stuff and you make music. If you ever want to contribute, just send it our way and we'll include it in the episodes. And I watched the Monomer TV episodes and I was like blown away. I loved it. It was everything that I love in visuals and sound, you know. So Candace knows, um, I forget her damn name. I feel so terrible that I can't remember the names off the top of my head. Um, but Candace knew uh, someone who was um, uh, working on, on Monomer TV, and, and uh, I also knew someone. So it was a no-brainer for me and her to work on, a, on something visually and sonically to contribute. Um, I didn't know that so, you had uh, a whole other aspect of uh, I didn't know that you were involved in the visual stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know how it is, man. It's yeah. like, you know, you have to, you have to create, be able to create if you can create it on your own, you know, and you can do something that, you know, is really good or decent, you know, a lot of people, a lot of bands are shooting their own videos now. I mean, nobody, you know, there's no money in this. So it's like, figure it out, you know? So um, I started shooting years ago. My, my dad gave me um, a film camera, a 35 millimeter camera. And that was my introduction to, to actually shooting and, and, you know, and photography. Um, I'm a, a novice compared to most, but, um, you know, I still had a, uh, um, a sort of a, a love for it and then eventually throughout the years when it came time to me to like you know when I had started working on solo stuff I was like you know what I need to learn how to make videos because I can't first of all I wanted to I, I really loved you know I love I'm a huge film fan so, as yourself and like all, you know forget it I mean I can uh, that's that's pretty much how I you know experience that's my favorite sort of medium you know to experience art is film um, uh, so um, I wanted to learn how to edit I wanted to learn how to shoot and I had, you know, you know, music to make music videos with. So um, I did. I, I, be I became interested in it some years ago and I started making videos for Spalacopa. And I, I'd say I made my first one in like 2016. So since then, I've been editing and filming and making videos for friends um, and working on all kinds of projects like that. That's awesome, man. So are yeah. you using like Premiere and all that kind of stuff that, you know, these like. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. mainly it. I mainly I mainly use Premiere. I use I use Premiere. I shoot on um, a, a T2i. Well, I have been shooting on a Canon T2i, and I have like some some 
some really nice vintage lenses that I use. And and that's been the vibe I've been sort of like, there's a couple of videos, actually the bled out video, the brand new video just came out. That was shot, uh, shot, shot, holy shit. That was shot on the, on a Canon T2i. Um, and, uh, uh, and then I think what, what else was, was shot on that? There's a, there's going to be another video. Oh, the angels of light video that Candace is in this, the next video that's coming out. We shot that on the T2i as well. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So uh, we were able to accomplish a lot and, you know, quite honestly, before I started, um, before this album cycle began and I was like, well, I know I'm going to need to shoot video. I think it's time to upgrade. And I started doing some research and, um, the more I read about what's out there and what the options are within my budget, the more I realized I could accomplish everything I wanted to accomplish with my, my camera. Um, I just had to get some accessories like a gimbal and like, you know, all kinds of, there was all other, these other components I needed to add to my setup in order to make it work. And I, and I did, and I, I, I've done pretty well. Um, but then recently I did a video shoot, which was on another level, which was on like a pro level. And, um, I am just, that's it. Like the bar has been raised. So I don't think I'll be using my T2i <laughs> to shoot <laughs> any more videos now that I've seen what the possibilities truly are. So, um, but that's something that's going to be coming out in May and, you know, maybe I'll just, uh, keep a lid on that for now. Cause I don't know, you know, the label might, I don't know how this, how these things work really. <laughs> yeah. No, they like to announce stuff on their own, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So this this episode probably is going to come out right before this uh, your show, man. So that could be awesome. way kind of hype it up a little bit, you know. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much, man. By the way, man, I love the fact that you're such an active sort of artist and uh, and 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 basically a you know a modern day journalist, basically um, discussing you know horror and and you know interviewing people and doing the research. You know, it's it's really it's basically it's like a, you know it is obviously a form of journalism or you know you 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 have to know who you're interviewing you know you have to do all the research so it's like it's really cool to see so many people and and you specifically being so active and uh so sort of um going with the flow with with the way things have changed in the world in the last however many years you know um so it's pretty cool to finally do this and, and have a conversation with you because i know that there was a few times we were going to have this we were going to do this, but it just never sort of worked out. Yeah. This, this is the good time though. I think right now to talk, cause especially with yeah. this brand new chapter in your career, you know, this is, this is pretty awesome. The one yeah. thing I want to talk about, it's really funny is like, I was remembering that night completely different. Like I have a visual, you know what I mean? It's just about the human mind right now about how yeah. our yeah. brains fill in the blanks sometimes and they create mm -hmm. like a completely alternative past. That's not yep. true. Because I'm, right. I'm, I visualized you by yourself, right? Performing that night with a completely different format, you know, totally different than wow. what actually happened. Wow, isn't that funny? Wow. I mean, you know, they they say that, like, you know, although we we rely on on personal account, you know, so much when when it comes to sort of like, you know, trials and all these super important things like, you know, and then people, you know, make these decisions based on people's personal accounts. But you're right. The sort of our memory is really not it's really, truly not to be trusted that much as much as well. I'll say it's not to be as trusted as we sort of how much we, we put into like how much we um, we rely on it. And, and yeah. we really we really have to be careful there because we do kind of create 
this sort of like alternate reality or this like sort of false um, sort of memory, basically. Um, so that is interesting, but I, I can totally relate to that because I do that all the time. Like I remember something a certain way and it's usually my bass player, Mike, who reminds me of how it really went down. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> you know, trippy. He'll like, yeah. Yeah. He'll be like, uh, no, that was in 1998 and we were on tour in neurosis and you were playing this guitar. And I was like, dude, how the fuck do you remember this shit? <laughs> like, how do you know my life more than I know my own life? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Is is um, Candiria still active, like at, on, on some level at least? Um, you know, no. The, the 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 straight answer is no. We're not active as a band, but the band is. You know, there's these things about the history of the band that just keep coming up. You know, um, so there is activity. It's just not anything sort of like um, nothing really new is happening. Um, like uh, I, I actually, me and Mike worked with Ken our old drummer Ken for a minute there. And we were talking about putting out some, some fusion style music, but um, you know, we started working on it and then slowly just like fell to pieces and he stopped working on it. And we were like, all right, I guess that's that, you know? So, but at this point there's really nothing going on, but retroact, like not retroactively. Um, I'm trying to get all of the, um, the, the albums that have never been released on vinyl. I'm trying to get those out on vinyl. I'm trying to get everything. I'm trying to keep up with the formats. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, simply because there are new people out there all the time searching for new music. And uh, you'd be so surprised how many how many new people are discovering Candiria all the time. It's crazy. I don't even know how. Like, when I go on Spotify, I'm like, 20,000 listeners a month. Who the hell are these people? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'm like, how does it keep growing? Like, what is happening? Um, but it's, it's a cool thing. I'm not complaining. It's, it's awesome, you know, to know that there's, even though we're a completely inactive band, that there's still this, you know, this, 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 you know, this, this cult following that, um, sort of just keeps hanging around. And it's really for them that I want to make these things happen. Like I want to get certain things out into the world in certain formats because they make these requests. They, if I could tell you how many times people are like, when are you going to put these albums out on vinyl? It's crazy. And uh, so, um, yeah, so that's that's really the that's the long answer. But the short answer is, no, we're not really an act. We're not, not an active band. This is this is as close as you're going to get to Candiria is what I'm doing, <laughs> which is a far cry from it. <laughs> I was just going to say this is very, very different. Very, very much. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 it is. It is. But I do hope that some of the Candiria fans do come along for the ride. I mean, you know, you know what we what we put on the records throughout the years has always been it's been always been a very vast sort of broad you know as you know we we did some electronic music we did some some straight up like you know um modern jazz type stuff we did some swing we did some like you know bebop and some hip-hop we did all kinds of stuff so you know i i i'm pretty certain there will be a a a, a, a small percentage of of the candiria crowd will come along for the ride just because they're open-minded people you know you kind of have to be open-minded to be into Candiria as it is, you know? Yeah, I was going um, so, to comment on that. I thought I was found that um, the Candiria fans, you know, Candiria was kind of like a thinking man's, like, metal, metallic, hardcore band. Right. You know, like, there's yeah, man. a lot of different influences involved in that band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just actually talking about this with someone else, and uh, they were like, how the hell who was just who did this and who did this and who was the guy who did all the hip hop? And I was like, well, you know, it's really not that simple. You know, you had the people that were 
you know, in the band that were like, you know, Ken was the real like jazz head, you know, he was the one who was like all about incorporating jazz and any, you know, any, any time it, it felt right. He was like so happy to be, you know, writing some piece of music and, and playing some keys and stuff like that. But it's not to say that every single member of the band wasn't into or didn't grow up on some form of jazz, whether it be fusion, whether it be, you know, bebop or, or whatever, you know, big band or whatever it was that, you know, all the people in the band, you know, sort of grew up on or, or loved as, a, as, you know, as a musician growing up, we all did have like this fascination with the, with the genre um, hip hop as well. I mean, how do you live in New York City and 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 not have that in your DNA in some way, shape, or form? You know, like um, even freestyle. I think about this all the time. Like, you know, freestyle is a music that when I was a kid, you know, everybody was the thing to do was to fucking go to a block party and dance. And you know, I was a kid, so I did, and I danced to like all this freestyle music. So when I hear freestyle and I hear like diamond girl or set it off or whatever whoever these people are i can't help but be like hey you know what i'm very i'm 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 uncomfortably familiar with this song (laughs) you know (laughs) um so i think that's really i think that's really what it is it's just like we were you know we we were like these young kids that were just open-minded enough to to um you know just understand that like you know you know even though freestyle is very different than black metal or black metal is very different than jazz and all of these things, you know, there's still, if it's, you know, I don't forget what it is. It's 12 notes in Western music, including flats and sharps. It's all the same thing. If you really, really hone in on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that said, um, I, I, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, that over the years we've, we've maintained this reputation to, to sort of, be such an uh, an inspiration to many young bands who then went on to, you know, incorporate different styles of music. And not that we were the first to do it. You know, I mean, you had Bungle, you had all these other bands doing stuff like that. But um, I'm glad that we get some credit for it. <laughs> oh, damn, no doubt, man, definitely. Um, our mutual friend, Jeff Kashid, who is also a co-host of mine on my other yes. horror, horror podcast, Necromaniacs. Right. His uh, solo record is now finally seeing the vinyl pressing. And I believe that you had something to do with uh, producing that record. Yes. Um, I don't think I would go as far as saying I get a producer's credit. Um, but I would, um, unless I'm wrong, maybe I do. I don't think so. Um, I think it was Aaron Harris and, and Jeff who get the producer's credits. But I do get an engineer credit. Okay. Um, uh, you know, I know Jeff a very long time. Yes. I met him on the road, you know, when Candiria was touring with ISIS and me and Jeff just became very, very good friends. Um, it was it had not not only obviously we, we had, a, you know, I, I appreciate him as a musician and as a bass player a great deal. And, and I think that, you know, his respect for me was was mutual enough for us to just start chatting about music and stuff. But it was, you know, Jeff was moving to Queens at the time. And I forget what year this was. This is like. 2006 or so and he was moving to new york and he was moving to queens and he's you know i'm you know he knows i've been here my whole damn life so he any questions he had anytime i could help him out with you know knowing this or knowing that any real estate person i could put him in touch with you know he he knew he could count on me for stuff like that uh but then him moving here that just made it even that easier that much easier for me and him to start hanging out he he was he was new here he didn't know many people so i brought him like lucky 13 saloon and i would bring we would go see shows together and we would do all kinds of cool shit together um and eventually uh jeff started um playing in my 
Krupp's Philocopa, and he played on some of the early material. Um, but 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 eventually, he proposed this idea about him doing this ambient album um, with going by the name of Crone, and he asked me if I would be so kind as to record record some of the music room and i was like dude are you crazy hell fucking yeah so um you know he came over one day to my house and we set up some mics and we plugged his bass in and we did some cool shit and he just we just spent literally three days recording i don't know how many of the songs from the record but a good amount of them and uh, not only did i engineer it he also asked me to do some performances as well so i got to uh do some performances on the record as well and i'm super proud of it i'm super proud that i'm a part of it it's such a cool album it's such a beautiful piece like you know what i mean and uh i hope that he does more i really do i keep trying i keep trying to uh, encourage him to do more stuff yeah you know what i mean i talk yep. to him like pretty frequently these days yeah and, uh, you know and i'm like dude you got to do more why like you know you're by yourself yep. like you might as well just do it you know yeah i tell him all the time dude uh, and it's it's not only that I'm telling him to do it because I think it'll be it would be like good for him or something. I'm telling him to do it because I want to hear more of his music, man. I literally, I truly am. I'm I'm a fan, man. I'm I really love his. Um, there's something about like certain people, like I think Andrea Andrea Horn is is similar in this way where they 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 understand like the concept of like a sonic palette better than most people do. You know, they have like a. a uh, sort of like a, a knack for the right sound and the right sort of mood. They know how to create like these atmospheres with music. And it's something that like, I, I think I've gotten better over the years, but I'm not like Jeff is. Jeff is the type of guy who'll be like, you know, he will let you know right off the bat that something is just not right for this, for this piece of music, whatever. Like if I came up with an idea for something, he'd be like, no, that's not it. And he just knows he has like this, this, foresight he may not know exactly what it needs to be but he knows that it isn't this or that and, it, and i'm getting closer and closer or i'm getting further and further away um so yeah i mean i truly am i'm a fan um i'm a fan of him as an artist i really am and i and it's i i don't think it's a bad thing that he's sitting sitting around doing nothing because i think in his mind there's something like stirring in there and, and sort of gonna, it's going to come to the surface, you know, like he's not a prolific guy. Like Cro the Crone record is, I think is, I don't think he's done any other solo music ever. No, as far as yeah. I know, that's the only thing. I mean, he was doing, he had palms, you know, which was, uh, right. you know, that was like a band, you know, it wasn't a solo right. effort, but yeah, that's, that's all I, that's all I know about really. Right. And he did, and he was in Red Sparrows. Red Sparrows. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. He was in that band as well. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, I, I, obviously he's not, maybe he will become a little bit more prolific, but I know there was a time where, especially like when, you know, when ISIS finally ended, he just kind of, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was, you know, you know how it is. You're, you know, you, you, when you're in a band for so long, it's almost like it's part of your, it's not just part of, it's not just something that you're a part of. It's sort of like, it becomes a part of you, it becomes a part of your identity. And, um, I think, when that all ended, it was such a, they were such a huge band. And then uh, to just like say, to call it quits. I mean, he really must have wanted to put his instrument down for a good time. And he, and he really certainly, he certainly did. Um, so, I mean, I'm right there with you, man. I try to talk to that guy and I try to be like, Hey man, you know, like I even send him, like sent him some music not too long ago just to see if he would be interested in, in working on it. and he's like nah i'm good man 
<laughs> you know, so, but yeah. Yeah. That's our, our friend, man. <laughs> oh yeah. And, yeah. and I'm glad he's doing the podcast. I mean, that made me really happy to see he started like co-hosting with you guys because I think, um, I think, you know, maybe he got a little lost there along the way. I mean, you know, especially, uh, as, as far as the, the um in, enjoying like being an artist or being a part of something that is like an artistic venture in any way shape or form you know um so i think it, i think it might be the type of thing that like um that fills a little bit of a void for him to be to be part of this podcast so i'm really happy that he is yeah he's doing a great job man and uh you cool. know I, I just remember when we lived closer together like we were just talking about movies all the time so now mm -hmm. might as well record those conversations oh yeah, yeah. man I mean, there's no, that guy is like, man, he, he, like, if anything, I always told him, I'm like, dude, why don't you start a blog or something? Why don't you become a film critic? You know, this is all you do, bro. You watch so many fucking movies, but uh, no, it is. It's good that he has a, a way to talk about it and, and share and, 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 you know, like be able to talk to you guys. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain another mutual friend, obviously Mike Scandato. Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah some someone i kind of grew up playing music with um uh it's great like i i also thought of like mike and jeff um because i know i'm not sure they knew each other prior to them working no the no they still haven't so, ever actually met in person not. yeah <laughs> hysterical yeah that's funny um but i'm like i'm sure if they got together and they met and they started talking they would enjoy like each other's conversations so much i immediately thought i'm like oh my god this is so great. These three people together talking, this has to, you know, this is fucking fantastic. So, um, it's awesome to know that, um, you guys are doing something so cool for, for, for so long now. How many episodes are you in? Uh, 120 episodes right now. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. I, I have a lot of catching up to do. I mean, I have, I'm not the biggest podcast guy, you know, and I yeah. have listened in obviously, uh, you know, on, on the podcast, you know, a few times, but it's not my favorite medium. Sure. But like, you know, uh, if I was to start, I'd have a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> oh, well, there's not all the episodes are good. I would stick with the more recent ones really, you know, I mean, yeah. you, get, you get better as you go along. So oh, I, course, I would stick with the more recent material. But, uh, yeah. but one of the things we're thinking about doing is uh, putting out a book actually of uh, the first 25 years of the new millennium in most the most important horror films of the new millennium because you know there's so wow. many so many great things changes steps forward you know in in the genre have happened just in the last 25 sure. years so yeah you know. yeah 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 dude that's a great idea man um i don't know if you uh know anything about making books but if you ever are curious to know uh the folks at aqualam it's one of the things that they do is they put out books for every album so um they do all kinds of, they do an, they do a book for each album that, that, you know, any album that comes out, they do a companion, like a companion piece, like oh, in, wow. in book format. What a great yeah, idea. So that's a, yeah. So that's the, one of the reasons why I wanted to work with them. I've never done anything like that. So, um, you know, they put out this companion piece that has like all this, uh, 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 you know, like a, bro a broader range of like uh, art, like that inspired the music and, you know, all this different stuff and, 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 uh, you know, QR codes and like, you know, download things and like lyrics and, and other content, all kinds of text. Um, but, um, just, you know, bringing it back to what you were talking about, you know, if you need any help in that regard, I mean, I'm sure Jonathan and Eric would be happy to, 
you know, at least point you in the right direction when it comes to like making books because they, they do it a lot. <laughs> I will 100% uh, be, be hitting you up about that. I, I need resources and like that, exactly like that too. Um, yeah. So with the, with the, um, the Machia record, what's the book accompaniment going to be like? Well, the book is going to be once again, like a lot of the time I spent in the pan during the pandemic, I spent mostly with Candace and, and just hanging out with her going on, you know, these road trips and, um, you know, uh, going to like, um, these like sort of like abandoned ruins and stuff. We went out to the one in Staten Island and we did a bunch of photos out there and we just walked around and explored. Then we went to the Abercrombie castle up in, uh, where is that? Um, I forget where it is in New York. It's not far from Sleepy Hollow. It's a beautiful, beautiful, like, it's a beautiful ruined castle that was flooded and completely abandoned. And uh, it's gorgeous. So that was, that became a thing that me and her did. We did, we would go to these places and we would do these like photo shoots and just like have fun and just like, in a way, sort of just, um, I guess, document our, our trips together and document some of the, you know, some of the, you know, the visual aspects of what we were seeing. But also be like, hey, we were here. This is, you know, this is this is us being here. She would take pictures of me in certain rooms. I would take pictures of her. So a lot of that part of the story is going to go into the book because it's like, you know, that's when I was making the record. And that's uh, she was a, a huge part of she was there with me through the whole entire damn thing. And uh, some of the music is even about our experiences together. Um, so, you know, that's going to be a big part of it. And uh, mostly my photography, though, not so much hers. Um and then I have like a ton of drawings that I've been, that I've done throughout the years are going to go in it, which I've never put into books before. Um, lyrical content, um, text. I'm starting to write some some you know random like uh, I guess you would call it like um, stream of consciousness or some kind of just like random thoughts that I have in my head that I just want to put down on paper. Um, and then there's going to be like QR codes that will like lead you to you know sort of like easter eggs on on the internet oh wow um okay yeah yeah stuff like that we're just gonna have a lot of fun with it we're gonna have a lot of fun with it that's awesome really I'm, I'm a huge fan of stuff like that i mean i there's um what comes to mind right away and obviously this isn't the first thing like this is that uh jeffrey lee pierce uh go tell the mountain book it's um a collection of all the gun club lyrics and there's like a, a novella that he wrote and all this like Ooh. journal stuff. And it, it's so, right. it's so interesting. I love stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, man. And you know, uh, you know, these guys, these Aqualam guys, you know, they gave me a bunch of the books, you know, years ago because, um, you know, they became interested in, in me as an artist, you know, a while ago. And they, and they were like, look, man, if you want to do something, blah, blah, blah. So they were like, this is what we do. And, and their books are great. They're beautiful books. They're all the same format. They're all the same size. And they're very, um, in that regard, they're very, they're very uniform. But if you go beyond that, like past the actual format that they put out, each one of the books is so unique to each of the, uh, you know, the artists in the album. They're really, really great books. They're beautiful books. Um, but they are very much like that. They're like each book has like, it can be really, really different. Some of them are just very um, sparse and there's just this imagery and very little text. 
some of them are just loaded with stories and like loaded with text and, and all this kind of crazy stuff. And then some of them are like, you know, mixed up, completely mixed up. But um, yeah, I, I love stuff. I do. I really, truly do love stuff like that. So that's why I was completely like psyched to know that we were going to not only work on, on, a, on an album and put the album out on vinyl and CD, but also we were going to put out a book eventually. So um, I'm pretty psyched. Yeah, man. Well, that's great, John. And, and it's, yeah. it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. And uh, thanks for taking time out to talk about the new, new record and all this cool stuff that's going on. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to call me and having me on, man. So just uh, in summary, uh, let's throw out some of these release dates and the dates of the, this uh, upcoming show. Cool. Uh, well, the album is called Thunderheads. It's coming out on May 20th through Aqualam Records and Power Child Management. Um, the band will be performing live um, April 17th, Easter Sunday. Uh, we got Frail on the bill, they're headlining, and then Lamakia, we, we'll, we'll take the stage. And then we have Burning Tongue and Zeb Gould. It's uh, an Aqualam Presents uh, uh, event. Um, so come out to the show. We're going to be doing like uh, an Easter egg hunt. We're going to be doing some giveaways. We're just going to have an, a, a really, really good time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, there you have it. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Everyone take care. Take it easy, man. Yeah.